longer can we call be called here the dirty dozen. Now we got a few more so we can get away from that. I use that phrase. That was the name of a movie years ago, the Western movie about the dirty dozen. So, not that we're all that dirty, I don't think, but uh, nonetheless, it's kind of a, one of those things you say once in a while. I hope we're being cleaned up. This is the sixth Sabbath on the count of seven to Pentecost. So, after next Sabbath, the next day, Sunday, is the 50th day, or Pentecost. Fifty days, if you're counting them, go by pretty fast these days, it seems. Uh, we've only got eight days left. So, I look forward to the Feast of Pentecost. I had occasion to go to uh, Las Vegas yesterday, and uh, it was amazing. I started going there when? In the early 60s, I guess, for the first time. And it didn't amount to a whole lot way back then. There was no freeway. There was one Las Vegas Boulevard strip, and it doesn't seem like now that there were more than eight or ten casinos even along there. But it was busy, busy, busy. I mean, there was people running in and out everywhere. And uh, I've never seen it like yesterday. It's virtually a ghost town. Uh, even going through the biggest interchange there, which they call the Spaghetti Bowl, I just breezed right through both directions. Uh, just not a big problem. And all these monster casinos, no lights, parking lots completely empty. I saw one big hotel that even had barriers so you couldn't even get in their parking lot, period. So it's just shut down. Uh, I mean, here in the small town America, we don't notice this so much. But uh, for Vegas to look like it looked yesterday it was amazing. I was taking a truck for uh, uh, some of our move-ins, <laughs> the Vincents yesterday back down to Vegas, because the Penske office in St. George has closed down, and uh, apparently for good. They're not going to reopen. A lot of businesses are going under. And so I get there to Vegas. They had, they had to deliver it there because there was no place to turn it in in St. George. So I get to Penske to turn it in, and the doors are all locked. There's a note on the door that says, we are closed because of the virus. Drop your key in the box. Pretty simple. <laughs> uh, but the office was completely empty. I did go around to the service door and find a guy to help me unload my car that I pulled down there on the trailer that was behind the truck they had rented. But uh, just amazing to see what is shut down. So being depressed and all, I stopped in at Lee's Liquor Store. No, I didn't drink and drive, sorry. But uh, the Lees there in Mesquite uh, has alcohol much, much cheaper than anywhere else, so I know a lot of us stock up when we happen to go through Mesquite for the next three or six months or whatever. But uh, I was amazed. They have a tall ceiling in there and big shelves along parts of it that are normally stocked to the ceiling with cases of alcohol. They were empty. Nothing up there. 
And then you looked at the rows of bottles on the shelves down on the ground floor, and there were vacancies and places that looked almost like toilet paper racks in grocery stores. Not much there. Now, there's still a lot of alcohol in there, because that's a big store, but it's far diminished. I talked to an employee, and he said uh, uh, they have, I think, two or three stores in Vegas, and he says they're shut down completely, and the warehouses across the country are shut down, so alcohol is not being shipped because the warehouse shut down. And they get a truck once a week now from Las Vegas because the stores that they've closed, they're emptying to these stores out in smaller areas. So uh, they have a limited supply. When, when the stores in Vegas are empty and the warehouses are still shut down, I, I, said, I said, man, here we're going through this virus and everybody's depressed and need to drink and there's not going to be any alcohol. What are they going to do? Well, he, he laughed and agreed with me. <laughs> but uh, it's amazing. There in Mesquite, normally those little casinos there are busy, busy, bustling, and parking lots completely empty. Not one car in the parking lots. So this thing uh, is bigger than perhaps we might sometimes realize in seeing what is really going on. Now, the last couple of weeks, or three weeks, we've been going through Deuteronomy 26, I mean uh, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, in seeing the blessings God would give if our nation would obey, and the cursings that would come if we didn't. Now, having been through that, another thought occurred to me that I think is worth our time, because it's obviously Bible-based, and and so on. But we have this so-called populist movement with Trump in which even I know some members of God's church, wherever they might be, still look upon uh, Donald Trump as our last hope. Trump is the last hope for America. And... I ask a question. Is he our last great hope? Is he a hope <laughs> of any kind? Because there are some who have hung on that, and they still believe that, that he is a hope that we have left. Uh, they've seen through the Democratic Party, I think, realizing that it's turned communist for the most part. And they think that a Republican, uh, Donald Trump, is a hope that America might survive and might thrive and we might get past all that is coming. Well, I think you can see pretty clearly from the scriptures we've been looking at the last few weeks that judgment has not only been made on America, but the cursings have now started. And they will get worse and worse. Uh, we've had one plague now, but as I read to you in Revelation 18, it says her plagues, plural, and her sins. So it's not the last plague, it is simply the first. Now, 
Let's look at the question I asked you, because some people would hold out hope somehow, some way, we might be delivered. And that is the message I get from quite a few in the alternative media. They recognize there are serious things wrong with the nation, but they still think that maybe Trump or some leader that comes is going to see us through this and we'll have four, five, six, seven, eight years of bad trouble and then things will get better and we'll reconstruct a new America and everything will be okay. Now, they don't understand either. Now, the mainstream media doesn't understand at all because they are pushing the New World Order. They're pushing for more trouble and more lockdowns in this country. I just heard uh, Governor, let me say it right, Whitmer in Michigan uh, has left open a homosexual swinging business and shut down all the churches. So homosexuals can come to this building and do their thing, but you can't go to church. The one who wrote the article called her Witchmer. I was being careful not to, to say that, but I think he, he said it fit. I think it kind of does. Michigan's got one of the worst governors, and there are others that are just about as bad. And in Georgia, as we speak, they already have people going around and knocking on people's doors and checking to see if there's anyone there with the virus or anybody sick. With the authority to forcibly remove them from that house if they find anyone there who is sick. There's all kinds of stuff going on. You've heard some of it. I've heard some of it. None of us have heard all of it. And they're trying to keep some states locked down, even in this supposed opening up that is occurring. Now, I'm going to start this with Jeremiah 7. I've quoted this scripture, and a couple ago go with it, uh, just in passing and not turn to it. But I think when we're considering this question, can Trump save us? Can anybody save us? We need to consider the words of God here because Jeremiah was writing <clears throat> primarily to Judah, but it goes back and forth between Judah and Israel in all these prophecies, including all the tribes. And here he says in... Uh, Verse 16, Thus says the Eternal, Stand you in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Now, where's... I'm not in seven, I'm in six. That makes a huge difference. Let's go to chapter 7, where you already are. Uh, verse 16, Therefore pray not you for this people, neither lift up, cry, nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. 
So God is saying through Jeremiah that when this comes, don't even pray. I will not listen. You're just wasting your time and energy. I heard one of the alternative medias uh, just yesterday say, uh, what this country needs is a three-day fast. Well, it does. I won't argue with that. But it isn't going to happen. Because people are not in the mood and the attitude to turn to God. That's not where they turn. And God says, if they do pray, I won't hear. In other words, it's past time for that. There was plenty of time for that between the time the World Tomorrow broadcast was everywhere in this nation and now no longer exists. Let's go to chapter 11 of Jeremiah. Here, verse 14. Therefore pray not you for this people. He's reciting their sins here. And then he says, don't pray for them. Neither lift up the cry or prayer for them. For I will not hear them in the time that they cry to me for their trouble. So there's come a point where God has given space for repentance. And don't you pray for them. But even if they pray for themselves, the judgment is already given. The trouble and the cursings are coming. It can't be stopped. What has my beloved to do in my house, seeing she has wrought lewdness with many, and the holy flesh is passed from them? So, there's just nothing that can be done. It's The judgment is here now. It has started. Chapter 14, verse 11. Then said the eternal to me, Pray not for this people for their good. Don't pray. God bless America. That's one of our old phrases we've had along for had for a long, long time. God bless America, land that I love. We've got songs about it. No, the time has come when God will not bless America. You might as well just save your breath. Don't bother singing that song. It's it's in the past. It was a song that I loved. It was a song that I sung with Exhilaration, God bless America, the land that I love. I can't sing that anymore. I can't pray for America. I can't sing the song. Once God makes the judgment and it's final and starts the cursings, it's over. Okay, let's have a three-day fast, all right? Verse 12, when they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and oblation, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. The three things that Ezekiel 5 says he will use. The same thing that other scriptures says he will use. Isaiah mentions those three things. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, neither shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. So we have a leader now who says to the people, I'm going to make America great again. And now it's morphed into another one, Keep America great, he's saying. 
Well, he ain't made it great yet, so how are you going to keep it great? But that fits right here. Trump is making himself a prophet by saying, I will make America great again. I'm saying this, I'm prophesying this, I intend to do this, I'll drain the swamp and all those things he said, which he didn't drain at all. And the White House is full this day of neocons and Democrats who are against America and for a new world order. They've been in the White House all along. That ought to tell people something. Has this man been lying to us, or has he not? Now, you have in our country the never-Trumpers, never, never believed in him, never will. <clears throat> then you have those who did believe in him and voted for him, and some of them still believe in him and think that he will save us and make us great again. Now, don't tune me out just because I said that. Listen to what God has to say in his word, and then let's form an opinion when I'm all done, okay? Don't tune it out just because I said Trump won't make us great again. Now, you shouldn't be because we've already read where God says, I'm going to bring these blessings and cursings, and you didn't obey me, so now it's the cursings. And he said, when it gets to this point, don't even pray. Don't fast. It's too late. You done missed the bus. That ship has already sailed. There is no space left for repentance for our people. There's a little left for you and me who understand and need to be repenting and growing and overcoming and changing and being what we ought to be. But we already know that, see. We understand that he turned his face against the church and he will turn it back again. Just as we understand all these prophecies for Israel are going to come to pass and these cursings have started and will continue and get worse. And when it is all said and done, he will turn his face to it again in the millennium, but not before. It's too late for now. It's not over because God is going to bring peace to the earth. But it's not going to be before the Holocaust. And the Holocaust is now starting, so there's no turning back. It's going to happen. We're in the edge of it now. So Jeremiah and his prophecies do apply. So, Let's look at this thing of leadership here at the end of the age and some of the scriptures God says about it and even what he says specifically about some of America's leaders. Because we need to understand there is no man that can save America. And God has already said he won't. America cannot be saved until the millennium. Then it will. But over 90% of us will be dead by then. And he will start over with a humbled people who have been through an awful lot and are willing to bow their knees to God. But they won't before. 
It just won't happen. All right? Turn to Daniel chapter 4. We know this scripture. We've had it quoted, but I want to use it in this context. Daniel 4 and verse 17. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the Holy One. So, the watchers of Israel and the Holy One, God. This is by God. To the intent that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will, and sets up over it the basest of men. Now, we have seen from Revelation 18 and many other scriptures, Isaiah 47, uh, you could start reeling them off, that this nation has become Babylon. Uh, I sent a note to one of my sons this morning, because right there in Isaiah 47, I think it was verse 6, uh, it says that we are Israel and we have been given over to Babylon. Now, what some of my relatives have been trying to say is, yes, the United States is Babylon, but it's not Israel. And I said, no, it's Israel ruled over by Babylon. In Isaiah 47, there, verse 5 or 6, says exactly that, that we are Israel given over to Babylon. And Ezekiel 16 is the same where it says your father's a Hittite and your mother was an Amorite, or whichever Gentiles it named there, I can't always get it straight. He says, you don't look like Israel anymore. You look like Gentiles to me. So we have morphed from an Israel that used to once in a while obey God to an Israel ruled over by Satan's system, which is the Babylonian system. So when you speak of Babylon or Israel as an end-time thing, they're the same. we become Babylon. So he says here, and this is a prophecy of the end-time. Daniel isn't even, remember, opened to even be understood until the end. So all these commentators hundreds of years ago who wrote all their commons, commentaries and tried to explain Babylon, I mean, uh, Daniel is basically a, a historical record of prophecies that had already been fulfilled. Well, if it can't even be opened up to understand until the end, then the historical means nothing really today. It's what is the final application that counts. So when you read about Babylon in the book of Daniel, it's talking about the end-time Babylon, not the original Nebuchadnezzar, not the original Cyrus. It's talking about the end time and the Babylonian empire that will be reigning in this day and age and is being instituted as we sit here today. And I'll have probably a little more comment about that later on. But I want to get some basic things to you here first. The God is in charge, and he puts over the nations the basest, the weakest, the worst of men. 
We are a degenerate society. The world is a degenerate society. It has gone the way of Satan, not the way of God. And in this society that we're living in, let's say in America today particularly, you have those who are in positions of leadership. Now, it has been described as a dog-eat-dog world. So who gets to the top in a dog-eat-dog world? The biggest dogs, the meanest dogs, the greediest dogs, the worst ones get to the top because they climb over other people to get there and do all kinds of things to people, whether it's in business or politics or whatever part of society, it's generally the worst that get to be first. David lamented that quite a bit in the Psalms. Why do the wicked seem to prosper and the righteous ain't got nothing? To make a very broad statement and condense what he said. So when God says he puts over the nations the basis of men, that's the kind that get into office. <clears throat> and he has set it up that way. Let's go back to Isaiah 1. Here it's speaking not just of Babylon, which America is today, but so is the world as a whole. Let's get specifically to Israel here and see that it fits in the same category as what that statement in Daniel says. Uh, let's start here in verse 3, Isaiah 1, verse 3. The ox knows his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. In other words, Israelites as a whole across our nation don't know God anymore, they don't know who their owner is, who their master is, and they do not even think about it much. They don't consider it. They don't stop and say, why do we have this mess? Who can fix it? Where is somebody that might have an answer? Where's God? No, they don't say that. Ah, sinful nation a people laden with iniquity. Laden means burdened down with, completely covered up by. When you have a beast of burden, you put a saddle on it, whether it be an ox or a mule or whatever, and then you fill it full or lade it with stuff until you put as much on as you think the poor animal can carry. So he says that we are burdened down with so much sin we can hardly carry it, is what the phrase means. A seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Eternal, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They are gone away backward, going the opposite direction of where they ought to be going and have forgotten God. We are a lawless, godless nation. And even those who claim to be Christians are letting politicians shut them down and even not even go to church. We're not doing that. 
God is first. I'm not worried about coronavirus coming in here and destroying us, because God said if we came under His care, He would prevent, and we don't have to worry about it. So we're not going to shut down because some politician says you can't have church. If we wanted to have a homosexual brothel, that would be okay with the politicians. But not church. Now, you think we're a God-fearing nation when governors of states say that? I think that's a problem. Then he says, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. In other words, we have all these problems and nothing has been done about it or will be done about it. That's not me talking, that's God. Your country is desolate. I just went to Las Vegas. Basically desolate. One of our sin centers is almost desolate. It probably will not remain that way much longer. They'll open it back up because you've got to have sin, you know. Your cities are burned with fire. Oh, not literally burned with a forest fire, but burned with all kinds of trouble and difficulty, and we are entering that stage. In your land, strangers devour your land in your presence, and it is desolate and overthrown by strangers. Well, the Chinese unleashed a virus on purpose. And I think that they had a willing accomplice in the American government. And I'm going to show you why and how by Scripture shortly. So, Chinese are the Chinese are part and parcel with our country being overthrown by strangers and becoming desolate. You can see it happening now. This was a prophecy ten years ago. Today it's a happening. It's occurring. Go back for a moment where he said, the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. The head means... Those in charge. Your head is in charge of your body, or at least it's supposed to be. And the rest of the body does what the head tells it. So the head represents government, or being in charge. And God says then, of Israel, your whole head is sick. The whole government is sick to death. And not only is it sick at the head, all the way to the sole of the foot. You know, Americans tend to want to blame the politicians for their troubles. If the government would just do this. But 
we ourselves are sick. We are sin sick. As a nation, where do our leaders come from? The sin sick people of the nation. It's just that they're maybe a little sicker and a little more perverted. And once they get into positions of power and money, they become even sicker and more perverted. So it's from the bottom up that it's sick. And now from the top down, it's sick. The whole nation, man, woman, and child, and leader. So all the leaders are sick. The whole head. Not just the whole head except Donald Trump, if I might pick on him a little. Now, I've never been against Trump, and I, most of my family were Republicans. So, just as a human being, had I not been a part of God's church, I might have leaned toward being a Republican. But when I learned God's truth when I was eight years old, I became neither. So, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not Republican, and I'm not Democrat. And I'm apolitical. I'm not political. Except that there are people in our government today, if they heard what I am saying, would say I'm very political. No. My politics is God. And the rest of them, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever they are, are ungodly. So I'm not taking sides here. I just took something that some church people have used to say Donald Trump is our last hope or our last great hope or however they term it. And I want to show you in Scripture there is no hope for this nation. We're already into the curses. They're going to get worse until we're destroyed. Let's back this up a little more with Scripture. Go to Hosea 5. It, Hosea talks quite about bit about the leaders of uh, Ephraim. So he's a good one to, to check with. If I can ever find Hosea here, I know where you are. Let's go to Hosea 5. Verse 1, Hear you this, O priests, and hearken, you house of Israel, and give you ear, O house of the king. So this is a prophecy directly to the priests, the spiritual leaders, and the king, who is the political leader. Okay? Doesn't say kings, just king. Who is our leader today? Who's our king, if you will? Uh, Donald Trump. Is he going to remain that? Well, I've already showed you scriptures in the past where it appears that he is the one that will be killed. There in Isaiah 7 and uh, here in Hosea and other places uh, where we will lose our king and both our leaders, both our kings. There in Isaiah 7. Now, is he the last one that that applies to? Um, maybe, maybe not. If there is another one other than him, and that's a big if, uh, they're going to be just as decadent and just as bad and probably worse than he is, if that's possible. 
So this is to the leaders, both spiritual and political. For judgment is toward you, because you have been a snare on Mizpah and a net spread upon Tabar, and the revolters are profound to make slaughter, though I have been a rebuker of them all. We have people who have revolted against God. This entire nation has revolted against God. And they are slaughterers. We slaughter our babies by the millions. And now our government has worked with China to release on purpose a virus that is slaughtering us by the tens of thousands as we speak today. They're revolters and slaughterers. Let's talk into the king and the princes of Israel who are slaughterers. And our people are being slaughtered by a bug that was introduced on purpose. I'll show you that. Chapter 5, verse 13. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wounds, began to realize something was wrong. They'd been hurt. Then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jerob, Yet could he not heal you, nor cure you of your wound. That's what Trump did when his businesses got in trouble before he was president, was went to some of the big bankers in Europe and Russia to get bailed out. And now we've got our whole nation in trouble bankrupt. And our leaders are going to go to China and to Russia and wherever they think they might can get help, Saudi Arabia maybe, and try to get bailed out. But they won't cure our wound. They just won't. Saudi Arabia right now is trying to destroy the American oil production and doing a pretty good job of it. The shale oil movement is about over because they're going bankrupt with cheap oil that is flooding the market. So this is happening. We've gone to others to try to get help, and it's turning against us. Chapter 7. Uh, here I want verse 3. Well, let's go to verse 2. And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness, now their own doings have beset them about there before my face. Speaking of Ephraim still, this nation. God is, is very aware of our sins as a nation. <clears throat> they make the king glad with their wickedness and the princes with their lies. So you have the politicians around Trump who make him glad with their wickedness and their lies. He approves of and is made glad by wickedness and lies as our leader. They are all adulterers, as an oven heated by the baker, who ceases from raising after he kneaded the dough until it be leavened. In the day of our king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine, he stretched out his hand with scorners. So he's reached out 
to the scornful. He's reached out to the enemies of America. He's reached out to the Democrats who are in the White House, and he is working with them. And I'll show you more of that as we go along. I want to show it to you in the Scripture, that at the end time, when these things start happening, our king, our leader, is the one it's talking about. It's not talking about the vice president of Thailand. It's the leaders and the leader of Israel who is made happy by sin. I mean, there's been a lot said about Trump's past. He was a womanizer and a church skirt chaser. He liked sin. He liked to lie in business. He was a very, very good dog-eat-dog type of businessman. He leaped over people left and right to build his business, didn't care what happened to them. You think his character's changed just because he's where he is today? He's trying to do the same thing to the rest of the world and the world leaders. He's the biggest dog around, and he's gotten to the top spot. But he's sick. And they've reached out with bottles of wine or all kinds of inducements to help him become one of the scornful. In other words, he's among his friends. Is where he is. There are pictures all over the Internet of him at birthday parties with the Clintons. <laughs> They're all the same. They're all the same. Those are his friends and cronies and buddies. And they get in the back rooms and laugh about you and me and what they're doing to us as slaughterers. This will get very pointed as we go. Uh, chapter 8, verse 4. Speaking of Ephraim again, They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I know it not. Of their silver and gold have they made them idols that they may be cut off. Our politicians are elected. They go to Washington. They get rich. Gold and silver, symbolic of riches. And we don't set up our kings and our princes through God. We do it ourselves. And then we even cheat on the elections to be sure that the elite get in there who they want there. This is going on right now. Chapter 9, verse 15. I don't know how much of this we need, but it's all through here. All their wickedness is in Gilgal, for there I hated them. For the wickedness of their doings, I will drive them out of my house and I will love them no more. All their princes are revolters. All our politicians have revolted against God and His system and Christianity and everything that is good. So, all of them, it says. Chapter 10, verse 7. As for Samaria, her king is cut off as the foam upon the water. Samaria represented the ten tribes. Israel, that includes us. Her king is cut off. 
is the foam on water. You ever see foam on water? You can take your hand and just slice the foam off. That's what it says our leader is going to have done to him. That's another one that indicates that he'll be gone. Well, if you go down to verse 15, same chapter, in the morning shall the king of Israel utterly be cut off. Now, that's currently Trump, if this means him. It could be a successor, possibly, but it does not appear to be because we've already entered the cursing stage, and it's going to get worse. And whether there will be an election this fall or not, who knows? There could be, but things are going to get rapidly worse as time goes on here. Not going to be a real good summer. Um, chapter 13, verse 1. When Ephraim spoke, trembling, he exalted himself in Israel, but when he offended in Baal, he died. So, our nation, our leadership, quit speaking trembling to God, but offended in Baal. Now, I'm going to show you that President Trump uses Baal sign language constantly. He is a Satan worshiper. Do you think a Satan worshiper is America's last great hope? I'm going to show you that before we're done here. How much time do I have? We'll get to it here. Uh, maybe just a couple more. Uh, Isaiah 7. I know this is not pleasant to hear and pleasant to consider, but hey, this is reality. We have to deal with the way things really are. Uh, it says in verse 16 that the land will be forsaken of both her kings, probably president and vice president, when this occurs. And notice the context, verse 17. The Lord shall bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house days that have not come from the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, even the king of Assyria. And this chapter goes on and talks about the conspiracy or the confederacy against America and how we're not to fear it, but fear God, because it is coming and they will destroy us. And our king and our vice, our president and vice president apparently are going to be cut off just before, just as the Assyrian comes, because the context is speaking of the church uh, which will be blessed, and the nation which will not. So we're very, very close to that happening. I won't go to Micah 3, uh, verse 1, and well, we'll go to Micah's pretty good too. They all are. Let's go to Micah for a moment, chapter 3. You know, chapter 4 is the one that tells us to get out of the middle of Babylon and go out and dwell in the wilderness. Well, here in chapter 3, it says, And I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, leaders of Jacob, 
and you princes of the house of Israel. It is not for you to know judgment, who hate the good and love the evil. Our nation has leaders who hate good and love evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their fresh flesh from off their bones. Is that not happening in our nation today when they introduce a virus that shuts things down, people lose their jobs, they have no money to buy food with, and then they shut down the supply line, and not only is there not money from a job to buy food, the price of food goes up and becomes more scarce. Isn't that what's happening in our country right now, brethren? Who hate the good and love evil. They're plucking the skins off us and the flesh from our bones. And it's going to get worse and worse as it goes to famine. Who also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them and break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot, as is flesh for the cauldron. I read a report just this week that in Lakewood, Colorado, they have dug a huge hole and they are buying up every piece of rebar that they can find in the nation that's like an inch and a quarter to an inch and a half thick. Normally when you build a house, you use three sixteenths or something like that, little bitty stuff for a foundation. They're getting the biggest rebar in the country. And this trucker said that he's hauled two loads, and those other truckers that are hauling everything they can get for that project, underground project. And then one trucker said that he was hauling a load that was covered, and he'd been told not to look at the load to the same area. And he said something shifted, and he had to check the load, and while he was doing that and repositioning, getting things tied down good, he decided to peek in a crate. And it was full of guillotines. He was carrying, he figured on his truck, a hundred guillotines. Twenty boxes of five. To the same area where they're building this underground facility. What did we just read? They flay their skin from off them, they break their bones, and chop them in pieces. A guillotine will chop you in two pieces. This is what they're doing, is what God has said. Been here all along. But you could read this, and it didn't mean anything. But when they're hauling guillotines all over the country, it suddenly means something. This is the first time I've heard of guillotines. It's listed as the most efficient way to kill a lot of people quick. Even more so than shooting. Verse 9. Hear this, I pray you, you heads of the house of Jacob and princes of the house of Israel that abhor judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward. They're in it for the money. And the priests teach for hire, and the prophets therefore divine for money. 
but they will but will they lean upon the eternal? No. No, they won't. And he says we'll be destroyed right after that. Let's go to Revelation chapter eighteen. Revelation eighteen. Now, I read part of this to you recently, where it says in, uh, how it's become terrible and is going to fall, verse 2. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now, who is behind all of this. You have trade back and forth with other nations, international trade in the world. Who sets up the trade system? Who sets up the, the NAFTA or the Pacific trade deals? The leaders. The people in Washington. They're the ones that set it up with the kings of the earth. The king of America sets up trade deals with the king of Arabia, for instance. So it's the leaders, king to king, that set up all this stuff. And this is talking about right here at the end, where we have made all these deals with other nations. It goes back to Hosea, where our king will go to the Assyrian and others to try to save ourselves. But we're in this thing, and our leaders are the ones that have led us in it. So, he's there setting up tariffs, various things with the Chinese. He's part and parcel with this. He knows and knew about the virus that was unleashed. It had his approval. If he didn't approve it outrightly, he passed on it or allowed it to happen because the government knew about it. Our government helped develop it and then turn it loose over there so we could blame it on the Chinese. And the Chinese are going to be some of those who do attack us. Let's go down to verse 23 here. Now, I've read this many, many times over decades. But let's pick it up in verse 23. And I, I didn't have anything to really tie it to, okay? Other than a general description of how things would be. It gets more specific now. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in you, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in you. In other words, normal life is going to cease in this nation, and there are already people who are putting off their weddings and so on till conditions get better. They may have to wait a long time to get married, <laughs> till the millennium, if they survive. Okay? Now notice this, for thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. 
Now, we've known for a long time that the word sorceries here in the Greek is pharmakeia, pharmaceutical, drugs, the drug world, the pharmacies, the big drug lords. We're not talking about here about cartels that are sending heroin into the country. We're talking about pharmakeos or the pharmaceutical world, the center for disease control, if you will, and the big drug companies, huge drug companies. Notice what the huge drug companies do. By them were all nations deceived. So whatever big pharmacy is doing today in our nation has deceived the whole world and is deceiving the whole world. We have gotten the world hooked on our drugs, drugs which are killing them. I read about a movie star just the other day whose 21-year-old son died of an opioid problem. Our doctors are giving us opioids by the billions. That's big pharmacy for you. They're in there to make money, and they'll kill you to do it. Now, let's draw this down to today as our nation is being accursed. Just where are we and what does this have to do with it? Donald Trump has turned over his leadership, or let me use this word, he has ceded his leadership to the drug lords, to the CDC, Center for Disease Control, which is a private corporation. It's not government, just like the the Fed is. Bill Gates, George Soros, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and their ilk. He is letting them determine the degree of martial law or shutdown or whatever occurs. Them and the governors of the states. So he is not the one who is in charge of all this. He has just stood back and allowed them to take over. Now, since this was developed, more more than likely, partly by our government and the Chinese government, and was released as a bioweapon, the bioweapon has been in the hands of Fauci and these other big pharmacy people. Bill Gates wants a vaccine for the whole world to deceive all nations, as it says here, by pharmacy or by big pharma. Now, what they have done is introduced this virus not to kill everybody, but to destroy the economy. And even though it is not killed many more than a year of the flu. We never shut down the nation over flu. We don't shut it down over colds every year in the winter. 
They've shut it down over this virus, and they're trying to keep it shut down. And they may allow a certain amount of ease on it and open up some, but then if another wave hits, they'll lock her back down again and yo-yo people up and down until they're destroyed. And tens of thousands of businesses in this country are not coming back like Penske and St. George. And they'll not be have employees again. And even if they open the restaurants, people have been out of work and they're out of money. How are they going to go and make the restaurants prosperous again? This thing isn't going to just suddenly open up and everything's going to be like it was. It's not going to happen. Now, what they're going to do and have in mind is use the easiest way they could think of to bring in the mark of the beast. It tells us that they'll put a mark in your hand or in your forehead, and if you don't have it, you can't buy or sell. Now, they're already talking of having this worldwide vaccine, which is mandatory. You take the vaccine, or they come to your house, and they take you to the FEMA camp or the guillotine spot. Because you're a danger to the rest of the world since you won't take their vaccine. Their vaccine is probably what will be designed to kill hundreds of millions of people. But they will establish this around the world, and they're already talking about uh, being able to track you everywhere you go, and whether you come into contact with someone who is diseased, or the latest virus, whatever it might be. And MasterCard has now announced that they will not allow any of their employees to come back to work unless they have been vaccinated. How big a step is it for MasterCard to say, we will not issue credit unless you have been vaccinated? You can't use your MasterCard if you don't have this identifier that you have been vaccinated. We won't give you credit, therefore you cannot buy or sell without this proof of vaccination implanted in your head or your forehead. I mean your hand or your forehead. You know, they had to find something that scares people. Disease and death scare people. So they invented this virus, turned it loose. Now they're destroying the economy and they will use pharmacy, drugs, vaccines, as the tool to implement the New World Order Mark of the Beast. That appears to be exactly what they are doing. What guise do you have to use to say you can't buy or sell unless we put this on you? Well, a lot of people would say, well, that's the Mark of the Beast. I won't take that. But if they come into deceive the whole world, all the nations, with big pharma, and you're going to die unless you have this vaccine, and now, unless you can prove you have it, we're going to take you and kill you, 
and you won't be able to buy or sell without it. So they're introducing it in a way that is acceptable to most people. They worship the doctors anyway. Get a sniffle, you run to the doctor. Doctors have become idols in our land. So they know we distrust politicians. They know most of us don't pay any attention to religious leaders anymore. Who do we pay attention to? One of the biggest problems in this nation, if not the biggest, is drugs. Whether it be illegal drugs or perfectly legal through the big pharmacy. And it is not the illegal drugs that deceive the whole world. It is our own big pharma who will deceive the whole world into taking the vaccine, and then they will have total control over you. No vaccine, no food. No vaccine, no job. They're already starting it. Can't come back to work at MasterCard without a vaccine. There isn't even a vaccine yet. And yet they're saying that. Donald Trump is on board with it. He stood back and let these people push their vaccine, their big pharma. Verse 23, Revelation 18. There it is. It's happening right now. Now, I'm going to take a little more time here to finish this off. Somebody sent me this very morning a text, and on it we have the official site for presidential memorabilia. The National Basketball Association, Major League Baseball, the NFL, all have their official sites where you can go and buy jerseys from different athletes that you like or different types of memorabilia. They got one for the president, okay? Official site. On it, here is a hat, $40. It has the stars upside down. And right in front, it has an eagle without a head. Eagle with wings pointed up and no head. This is the official hat of Donald Trump and his presidency. It's not alternate media. You can go to the official presidential site. Now, got to find it here on my phone. Origin of the Eagle. The Cairo Citadel, built during Saladin's rule over Egypt, has a large eagle on its west wall believed to depict Saladin's emblem. The eagle is currently headless. Got a picture of it here. No head but was originally double-headed, according to the Ottoman explorer, Evlaya Salibi. What does the eagle of Saladin symbolize? The eagle of Saladin is a symbol of Arab nationalism. 
The eagle symbolizes the strength, courage, and determination of the Egyptian people. The gold coating represents power. Now, we have upside-down stars there, as well as the headless eagle. Why would the American eagle be without a head in symbolism? Does that mean it's going to be cut off? And that it's on the president's hat? Make America dead again. Now the upside down stars over the hat that the eagle is on. A reverse pentagram with two points projecting upwards is a symbol of evil and attracts sinister forces, demons, because it overturns the proper order of things and demonstrates the triumph of matter over spirit. It is the goat of lust attacking the heavens with its horns, a sign execrated by initiates. People who are in the worship of Satan use the Baphomet. That's this sign. I'm not using it. I'm showing you. Two-horned goat, Satan. You can go to the Internet and find dozens and hundreds of pictures of George W. Bush doing this, of Clinton doing this, of Donald Trump doing this, among many others. Also, that sign, which is the two wings pointed up to Satan, is the god of this world. Trump is one of them. There are dozens of pictures of him in very official places with leaders of other nations of the world with his hands turned down and his thumbs up like this. He does it constantly. That is both a female sex symbol and the hand pointed down means that it is a prayer to Satan. There are dozens of pictures of President Trump doing that. And it is not by accident. They do it in official places with official leaders of other nations. It's constant. Now that tells you, if he's using satanic symbolism, that he's one of them. He is not here to make America great again. He was put there as a puppet on a string to give them an excuse to blame him for all the trouble that is now coming upon us. And they will blame him probably more and more. And if he fights them in any way, he has been threatened and compromised, and either he or his family could be destroyed. But since he's one of them, and was before he ever became president, has he made America great again? We're going down the toilet as we speak. He hasn't made us great again. He has no intention of making us great again. He has an intention of helping set up the new world order and he's turned it over 
to Big Pharma to fulfill Revelation 18.23, even though he does not know it. That's exactly what he's doing. No man can save America. God will not bless America until the millennium. It's over. The judgment is made. The curses have started. It's going to get worse and worse until we are consumed by famine, pestilence, and the sword, says God in many places. And we've just read an indictment against our leaders in Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. Be thankful that you know God and you can go to Him and He will hear your prayers and He will forgive you and love you and He is going to use you in all hope as a witness to the world of who God is. We are to be the light of the world set upon a hill in Zion and proclaim the word of God from Zion to the whole world. That's why God has called us, brethren. So if there are any anywhere in range of my voice or who hear it later, understand Donald Trump, nice man maybe in some ways, is not there to make us great again he is just one of the Satan worshipers who had a little different approach for a different reason and has now turned it over, hook, line, and sinker, to Bill Gates, George Soros, Dr. Fauci, and all these others to get us, Bill Gates, a worldwide vaccine, whom Bill is pushing, so that they can control us totally and is in so doing deceiving all nations and to say taking that same mark of the beast that is not now a prophecy, but that is arising, and you can see it on the news every day. It's here. Praise God. Thank Him. Be thankful for everything we have, and don't be self-righteous about it. It was not because of our goodness that He called us. He puts over the nations the basest of men. And in his own church, he calls the weak and the base of the world in order to confound the wise. So you and I are not going to confound the wise on our own. It will only be by the Spirit of the living God that that is accomplished, and it will be. So let's be tools in his hand and not be proud of it but just thankful and humble that we can be a part of what God is going to do from the good side, not the evil.